Now let's get into the word of God. We are going to talk about the ascension of Christ. We are going to be reading Acts chapter 2, verse 22 to verse 24. And we are going to try to just make some expressions from that verse. It says, men of Israel, I believe even the women were addressed there, you know that men are the ones who wrote the Bible as inspired by God, but they could see as they see, so they saw themselves only. Women, you were there, amen. So even if women were writing the Bible, they were going to exclude as men, amen. So it's, it's a fact, amen. So, so you were addressed among the men, amen. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourself know. Verse 23. This man was handed over to you by God sets purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of the wicked men, you put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep his hold on him. May the Lord bless the reading of the word. Number one, when we read that, that verse in the book of Acts, we get a picture of his ministry. In Acts 2.22 it says, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was accredited by God. You know, there's certain places, if there's a function, if you don't have accreditation, you can't go in. No matter how important you are. Are you there? To sit in a specific place. You must be accredited. Somebody who invites you to a place where they want you to be the guest of honor. That when you go through there, all the protocol people should not disturb you. You flick around your accreditation. Are you there? When they see the accreditation, they usher you to where you have been accredited to sit and enjoy the function as a guest who is special. Now look at Jesus. When he came here on earth, he had a ministry. But this ministry, he was not accredited by people. Ah, oh, Jesus. He was accredited by God. How was he accredited by God? Imagine, he was born in a manger. He was born of ordinary blue-collar workers. A carpenter's son. He was despised. He had to run away and go into exile. He was not a high class. Even though in his bloodline, he had the Davidic blood in him. He was royalty. 
He was the lion of the tribe of Judah. But because of the circumstances of the time, with the Roman occupation and domination, he was oppressed. He was born in poverty. There was no place for him in a hotel, in an inn, for him and his parents when he was supposed to be born. So people already know that, ah, who, who is Jesus? But Jesus says, God says, even though he's, he comes to this world and goes through circumstances that are despised, God says, I'm going to accredit him. I'm going to accredit him by miracles, wonders, and signs. It says, which God did among you through him, as you yourself know. His ministry, Jesus, he came with signs and wonders and miracles in order to serve the needs of the people. When he obeyed God in his mission as a servant, God extended his power to operate to the fullest through his life. Tim Keller says, Christ's miracle were not a suspension of a natural order, but they were the restoration of the natural order. When it comes to signs and wonders in Jesus, to us it's spectacular. To him it was a normal because God was restoring. So as a Christian, miracles must be normal to you. Because God is restoring. You need to understand God's power. That he's still at work today. Even though there's people who do things that are unbiblical. They were a reminder of what was once prior to the fall. And a preview of what will eventually be the universal reality once again. A world of peace and justice. A world without death, disease and conflict. His ministry was coming in a world of conflict. Same way like in our society. Oh, South Africa is in trouble. This is the time we need God the most. Our leaders are here, are trying to do everything in their powers as political leaders, but they are not messiahs, they are not saviors. They are limited in their scope. They have their fears. They work within organizations that restrict them. But Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is bringing a new order. God loves us so much and we have seen it in Jesus that he released miracles, signs and wonders through his ministry to meet our needs. Even through the ministry of Paul in Acts 19 verse 11 to verse 12, it says God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even the handkerchiefs and the aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left. And when God was doing that, there was no financial exchange. It is T.D. Jakes who says, if you face the greatest opposition when you're closest, when you are closest to your biggest miracle. When you are tempted to quit, you must know your miracle is just around the corner. Your breakthrough is just around the corner. 
Your healing is just around your corner. Your promotion is just around the corner because of the ministry of Christ that God proved by accrediting him. The second thing we learn in Acts 2, his death. In verse 23, it says, this man, this man, he was a man, this man, he became like us that we may be like him. This man handed over to you by God. God set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of the wicked man, you put him to death by nailing him on the cross. The death of Jesus was not a tragedy. It was in God's divine plan for our own redemption. Jesus came on earth knowing that he was assigned by God to save humanity from their sinfulness and the power of sin and the power of Satan only through his death. He had to die so that we may be redeemed. So he willingly accepted God's foredained plan to be a sacrifice that would set us free from evil. And the devil's control. God shows his commitment in our lives, Bazalwani, by putting Christ on the cross in order to improve the quality of our lives. That is why Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, nobody's excluded, how will he also not, along with him, graciously give us all things. He didn't just put him on the cross to save us from our own sin. He put him on the cross to say, I'm going to save you. I'm going to forgive you of your sins and I'm giving you my grace. You could not please me to live a life that is according to my will. You could not do the things that I want you to do. But I'm sending you someone who's going to take your sins and in exchange give you his righteousness that you may be justified before me. That when I look at you, I may be pleased with you, not because of what you have done and what you have achieved, but because of what he has done as a sacrifice for you. When we are looking at that, forgiveness and redemption, he says, together I'm giving you all things all things you need for godliness and for life. You have all things through Christ. People might not care enough to bless God, but God cared enough to give his own son to prove that he will stop to nothing to transform your life. It is Jacqueline K. Hasley who says, Jesus lived his life for you. Then he gave his life to you. He wants, he now he wants to live his life through you. Why don't you surrender your life to him? The third thing we learn in that verse is his resurrection. In verse 24, it says, when he was killed, it says, but God. You see, there's troubles that don't have the last answer. When the devil has finally flattened you out and he walks away from you 
and he thinks it's finished. God does it behind his back. There's things that are dead in your life that God is resurrecting. That are ordained by God for your blessedness. In verse 24 it says, but God raised him from the dead. Freeing him from the agony of death. Listen to the, 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 the phrase to follow. Because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Jesus could not stay in the grave. It was impossible for death to commission him there. When God had ordained him to rise from the dead. So Jesus' resurrection, after his death and, and, and burial, is evidence of his victory over satanic powers. He defeated Satan in his powers, in his authority. He defeated sickness and disease. Sickness and disease don't have a legitimate right in the kingdom of Christ. You are the body of Christ. Christ is the head of the body. If you're sick today, sickness has no right. Sickness has no privilege. Sickness has no license, no authority to hold you. His resurrection is evidence that poverty is not your portion. Christ defeated it. He says the thief cometh for nothing else but to kill, to steal, and destroy. But I came that you may have life, life to the fullest. When you are in debt, it is not life to the fullest. When you are unemployed, it is not life to the fullest. When, 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 when you are traumatized because you, you don't know what next, where next your meal is coming from, where next you're going to find accommodation, where next you're going to pay for your petrol. His resurrection is a statement that you are not just supposed to survive. You are supposed to live life that is overflowing. Life that is debt free. Life of everything that is fully paid up. Life where you are a lender and not a borrower. His resurrection is that death has been defeated. That is why Jesus says, don't fear those who will kill the flesh. But fear me because I can destroy the soul. That is why Paul says, you know, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. When you die, it's just separation from people here physically. But, but to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. That is why Paul says, when they stone him, who can separate me? Who 
can separate me from the love of God. Neither death, neither poverty, neither sort. Who can separate me? We must not fear death. That is why we must not be afraid to venture for God. We must not be afraid. When you die, you graduate into heaven. Look at Stephen when they were stoning him and and they thought they were brutalizing him. With a smile, he says, I see the heavens open. Oh. At the time, he's bleeding. He's about to die. He's telling his persecutors. He's telling his murderers. I see the heavens open. I see Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. What he was trying to say, you may kill this body, but you can't kill my spirit. You can't touch my spirit. Resurrection testify of Christ's finished work on the cross that he completed for our sake so that you and me can live in the fullness of life as God wants us to live it. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 4 reads, Peter says, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Imagine, Basalwan, this is how he starts the verse. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. He's not just only God. He's the father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Why is he praising him? He is overwhelmed by the great mercy of God. That has given us a new birth. In Christ, that is why it is Nabazalwan. Born not of the flesh, but born of the spirit. We've got a new birth. Our past may be horrible. Our past may be disgraceful. But in Christ, our sins have been forgiven. A new chapter has been opened in our lives. We've got a new birth. And anybody knows that anything new has no past. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed up you. Behold, all things have become you. Oh, but what that God has wiped it away. You don't understand. You say it's denial. You don't understand how he works. A new birth, it says, into a living hope. You can hold a child of God down. It does not matter what 
goes wrong. They've received an incorruptible seed that never perish. Haiboli. 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 Even when you are flat out, when you are defeated, it's not over. Oh, there's a living hope in you. Christ in you, the hope of your glory. It says, verse 4, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. But there's nothing as blessed as being a Christian. God prospers you here on earth. God prospers you beyond the grave. Robert Ferrer Kempon says, Jesus came to raise the dead. He did not come to teach the teachable. He did not come to improve the improvable. He did not come to reform the reformer. None of those things works. We had nothing to give. We were nobodies. And he said, I could work with this. We were sinners. While we were yet sinners, he loved us. And he said, I could work with this. We were poor. While we were poor, he says, I can work with this. I was born in a manger. I understand this. I was exiled. I understand this. I come from an ordinary family. I understand this. I can work with this. His ascension. His ascension. In verse 32 to 36, it says, but God raised him from the dead. And we are all witnesses to this. Hey, I've never seen somebody who died and rose from the dead and just lived an ordinary life amongst us. Hey, Bazalan, that, 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 that can change your life dramatically. Imagine if somebody was dead, not fake, dead. Are you there? Not fake. Imagine if they were dead, dead. D-E-A dead. Certified dead. Not in a coma. Dead. And just God raised him from the dead. And you become a witness. And this person lives among you. I'm telling you, every time you see that person, hey, hey. This is how they were talking. This is how they were talking. He died, but God raised him from the dead. He says, we, 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 are, all, we are all witnesses. We are. They are speaking out of conviction. We are. You know when you have experienced something? It's different from when you read it. You know, it's like when David says, I've been young. Now I'm old. I have never 
never ever seen the righteous forsaken by God begging for bread. He says, I've never. He says in verse 33, now he is exalted to the place of the highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he has promised, gave the Holy Spirit to pour upon us just as you see and hear today. This is what they are saying. We saw him live amongst us. Heal the sick. Are you there? We saw him crucified. We saw him buried. He appeared to us risen. We saw him ascend into heaven. Now he's seated at the right hand of the Father as God promised. And not only that, he has poured out the Holy Spirit as today we are preaching under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, what is he saying there? about this ascension and what is its significance? Number one, when the scripture talks about that ascension, the scripture speaks about his exaltation. The word to exalt in Greek is the word hupso, which means to elevate and to lift up. God raised Christ to a highest place of honor Above all things. And Paul had revelation of this in Philippians 2.9. When you read the verses before, it says, how when he was royalty, how when he was divine, took a form of a servant and humbled himself and became a man and did not consider it robbery when it was God. I mean, we, 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 get, we, we get turned off by Stupid things. Somebody gets promoted at work. Who's new before you? You are now angry. You are angry. You are angry. Yet the very Bible says the first shall be the last. And the last shall be the first. It's the Bible. Jesus, he was God. Came, became a man. Did not consider it robbery. He humbled himself. And listen to what God did. Verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name, not a name. The name that is above every name. I have a name, but he is the name. Brother it gives comfort and security to know that God placed our lives at the hands of Christ whose stature is elevated above everybody important, either in the natural or in the spiritual. He's bigger 
and more powerful than any name, than any problem, than any obstacle, than any pain. Whatever name it is that is troubling you, he's bigger and more powerful than that name. Catherine Booth says, the waters are rising and so am I. I'm not going under, but I'm over. Problems may increase in this world, but greater is he that is in you than the devil that is in the world. If God is for you, who can be against you? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Though you may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, surely God's goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. For you are seated with Christ in heavenly places to exercise dominion, authority, and power. We are rising because our hope is in his name. The second thing that is significant about ascension is that he returned to heaven to be seated at God's right hand. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20, it says, that God raised Christ from the dead and seated him in a place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Imagine Jesus had been running around the earth fulfilling the ministry of God for our salvation to destroy the work of the, of the devil. Now, in ascension, God sits him in a place of rest. He sits. He does not stand. He sits. You know, when you come from work, you sit at home. You sit. You sit. You rest. You are not putting any load on your body. You sit on your favorite chair. He seated at the right hand of God, conferring with the Father about his finished work. He says, God, we have defeated the devil. He's just like a roaring lion. He thinks he's a lion. He's just making a roar. Noise. It's like pain in your body. It's noise. You don't walk according to what you feel. You walk by faith. Though the outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being restored day by day from glory to glory. for you. He says, I've defeated the devil. I've taken the keys of, of Hades. All authority is mine. Here's the church and I'm the head of this church. I'm the head of this church. So his ascension, when he seated 
in heaven is not separation from us. He's sitting at the throne as the head of the church and we are his body. The fullness that fills everything. Jesus wants to have influence through us. Jesus wants us to occupy until he comes. It's not about time you retreat. It's not about time you make excuses. It's not about time you play scapsal and play weak. It's not about time you make excuses of where you were born and not what you were born. Hey, you are a child of the Most High God. You are seated with Him in heavenly places. Jesus is sitting on the throne till His enemies are His footstool. A place where His legs are resting. Footstool. Coronante release akima demoni. Jesu oreheba tum. Ki footstool. Footstool. Beginya. Beganjenya. Beginya. Uyego kala. And upumagu e ufutuku kanda. Pumagu. Beganjenya. Uti wena timon shalalapa. Funu pumulangawe. Guninung paisis. Guninung chonchela. Minesambulo namslanche. His ascension when he's sitting at the right hand of the Father is an affirmation that Jesus is both Lord and the Messiah, the anointed one. A.W. Toza says, Jesus is not many ways to approach God. He's not one of the many ways to approach God, nor is he the best of the several ways. He's the only way. We come to a landing. The third thing there, the significance of his ascension is that his ascension birthed Pentecost. It's Allah Pentecost. In verse 33 it says, now he is exalted. You see, even when you worship, you don't exalt him per se. He's already exalted. You recognize his exaltation. You recognize what God has already done. He is, he is present, past, future, continuous. Oh. education He is, he is. He's not going to be. He is forever. He is. Even in the past, he is. When you come to worship him, you don't change who he is. You recognize, you acknowledge, you bow down to what you find that he is. Whether we are Shabelela, it does not change who he is. He's exalted in a place of honor in heaven at God's right hand. That's what the scripture says. And the Father as he had promised, 
gave him the Holy Spirit to pour upon us. He comes, he says, Father, you send me to work. I finished your work. The ones you gave to me, I have kept them. Except one, the son of petition. I pray for them that you keep them pure. What the father you have given to me, I have kept them, they are mine. I promised them that I will go away. I was their first comforter. I told them I will send them another comforter. And, and he says, Father, give me the comforter. He gives him the comforter. He comes. He pours. It is not a sprinkling. It is an outpouring. It is an outpouring. An outpouring of God, the Holy Spirit. If he did not ascend, there would not be Pentecost. We would not have Pentecostal church. We would not have the old Pentecostal, the new Pentecostal, the spirit-led churches. We would not have them. He ascended. Sat at the right hand of the Father. He says, Father, give me the outpouring. He gave. That is why we are baptized. To speak in tongues with a language that we have not learned. J. Bryce says, before Pentecost, the struggle was hopeless. But after Pentecost, they overcame. The Spirit made slaves into sovereigns, victims into victors, cowards into conquerors. For you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit is upon you. Wait in Jerusalem until you are endued. Until you are endued. Otogi swear. We don't only speak in tongues. I want to close it here. Close it with this one. The power of ascension for you is very significant because more than any other thing is that when the Holy Spirit was released, we benefit to receive the ministry gifts, spiritual gifts. Ephesians 4, 8 says, therefore, he ascended on high led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. 
He went and took all the things we lost that the devil had taken. The gifts. He gave gifts to men. When a apostle, when a evangelist, when a pastor, when a teacher, when a prophet. Why? For the equipping. Hey, even if you're not a prophet, God will raise a prophet amongst you for your equipment that whatever has been placed upon his life that that anointing passes to you passes to you that you are equipped equipped Barcelona, do you know the word to be equipped you have equipment For you to live this life victorious here on earth as God has commissioned you. He has equipped you. He has made provision for the money you would need. The protection you would need. The, 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 the friendships you would need. The networks you would need. He's made provision. Don't worry. God has your back. There's enough provision. For you to do the will of God. Keep fear under control. Stop doubting. Walk in the faith. Follow the dream of God. Push the vision of God. Stare the gift of God. Which was given to you by the laying of hands. You're not as weak as you think. You're not as hopeless as you think. You're not a nobody as you think. You are powerful. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has invested in you. God has equipped you. God has supplied you. That is why Paul says, I can do all things through Christ. The Lord is your provider. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your protector. The Lord is your hiding place. The Lord is your strong tower. The Lord is your healer. Whatever you need. The Lord is your lawyer. He gives you an advocate, the Holy Spirit. The Lord is your teacher. He teaches you when you need education. The Lord is your comfort. He gives you comfort when you need counseling. The Lord is your strength when you are weak. Let the weak say, I am strong because of what the Lord has done for me. Father, we thank you. Father, we bless you. Father, we worship you. We magnify you for ascension. Oh, we magnify your name. We magnify your name. That Jesus, you are seated at the right hand of the Father. Exercising authority and power through us. We thank you for the gifts that you have given unto us. That Lord, we are endowed, we are equipped to do your work here on earth. Devil, you are a liar. We have a name that is above every name. You are bowing every day to this name. The name of Jesus. You are bowing down. You are bowing down. You are bowing down. Father, I pray for the blessing of this word on everybody in this place, oh God. Whatever their situation, whatever their circumstance. You have risen and you are seated at the right hand of the Father. 
You are an intercessor who's praying for us continually. An uninterrupted prayer. We are praying. As we have our eyes closed, every head bowed. If you are coming here for the first time, you have not received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. You are far away from God. You feel as if God does not love you. He loves you too much. You say, Mfundis, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Could you kindly show me by raising your hand wherever you are? Even those who are streaming. God bless you at the back. God bless you. I see hands are going up. God bless you, my sister. Keep that hand up. You say, Pastor, pray for me. As my Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you. Could you kindly raise your hand where you are? And I'll pray for you quickly. Just raise your hand wherever you are. Just raise your hand. God bless you. Keep that hand up. God bless you at the back. Keep that hand up. Anybody else? God bless you. Keep that hand up. I don't want to close anybody out. Just raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. God bless you at the back, mama. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? We'd love to pray for you that you may receive Jesus in your life as your Lord and your Savior. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Just show us by raising your hand. Wherever you are seated, we're going to pray for you. I'm going to ask all the people who have raised their hands, could you kindly stand? And you can drop your hand. Could you kindly stand? Take your Bibles, your belongings. Come all the way to the front. I'll pray for you. Just come all the way from where you are. Just come.